0: Welcome to the podcast. I'm here with Abelard Lindsay, and uh, my name is John Lamberton. I'm the host here. And uh, I I wanted to talk to Abelard, who is a computer programmer, software developer, but also uh, the creator of a number of uh, cognitive enhancement supplements. And uh, they're really interesting formulations. And currently I think that the conversation around Nootropics is at kind of low level. So I wanted to have Abelard on because he's a veteran of the field and want to get his take on some stuff. So welcome to the podcast, Abelard.
1: Yeah, great to be here. Thanks.
0: Uh, So the tradition on this show is to sort of start by just getting a sense of somebody's copy habits. Um, By day, I'm a a copy professional, and so it helps me round out my model of who somebody is by just knowing what their daily copy habits are. So do you mind running through some of that?
1: Uh, Yeah, well, in the morning, I... I take a lot of supplements. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and I uh, as far as coffee goes, um I uh you know have one of those uh refillable uh Keurig things where you, you 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 take the coffee and you scoop it into the you know into the machine with the filter and you know you close it all up and you put it in there and then it goes to the coffee and that's I, I just have bulletproof uh so and i figure that's uh, probably the cleanest uh coffee i'm going to get um yeah and uh usually it's like one or two cups in the morning um i try not to have any after about 6 just so i can sleep uh that's uh pretty much how i do it sometimes uh if i'm running around i'll take you know some smart caffeine with me which is like theanine and uh caffeine. Mm -hmm. That's not coffee though.
0: (laughs) Right, right, right. Right. Uh, And so you drink it black or do you drink it with like the MCT uh, bulletproof style or?
1: I, most, most of the times I drink it black. Sometimes I add monk fruit extract. That's the best sweetener I've found. I did some research on it and I I couldn't find anything negative about it. Uh, I I looked around and it, it was just all, it seemed to be all positive. So I side, I'd I'd let myself have uh, some sweetener.
0: (laughs) Nice, yeah, and keeping that glycemic impact on the lower side. Right. Cool. Um, So uh, I I was looking back at these longevity posts, and uh, the earliest one I was able to find is maybe like 2011, but I assume Siltep's been around for longer than that, right? Uh,
1: No, actually, that was about, well, well, at first, I was experimenting with it at home, and I was kind of worried that I was um, I was going to get some sort of side effect. I thought it was too good to be true. Um, so I uh, experimented around with it for like a month or two uh, without having anything negative happen, so I uh, decided to post it to Longevity and say, hey guys, here's, uh, here's this new idea I came up with. Um, Here's how I think it works. What do you think? Uh, here's what you order from Amazon and uh, how you can put the stack together and take it. And that that's how it all began.
0: Gotcha. So that that early germ of Siltep, uh, I mean, like before, like how long did that take to turn into uh, the actual product?
1: Oh, uh, well, we released the product in uh, late 2013 and that was precipitated by, um, uh Tim Ferris mentioning it on a couple of podcasts and uh you know at a google tech talk and and so then a lot of commercial interest started springing up and I hooked up with uh, Ben and Roy from natural stacks and uh um you know we put together a product and a product development you know agreement and all that stuff and uh it, it was it was off to the races from
0: there uh <laughs> beautiful yeah. and for those that don't know uh siltep is probably Abelard's uh most notable stack and it's based around uh, combining artichoke extract and forskolin, And the idea is that it uh, chemically induces long-term potentiation. Is that a fair summation?
1: Right, right. Yeah, this is uh, by inhibiting PD4 and raising uh, uh, cAMP levels, it um, makes the long-term potentiation process whereby CREB um, like, turns on the transcription machinery and neurons to make them uh, more strongly connect to each other and create long-term memories. That's, that's the idea behind it. Awesome.
0: Now, uh, in terms of, I mean, like you've made like the Nexus, mitogen, uh, all these different brain foods, Are, would you say still is what you're most proud of?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's, it's the most, um, original concept. It's something that, uh, wasn't, um, you know, it was very novel and, uh, you know I, I get some criticism sometimes because people say, well there are no uh you know bef- before you released this on the market, there was nobody who said it you know in in some academic publication somewhere who said it worked it's like, well yeah, and that's why I have a patent on it because if somebody else invented it, I wouldn't have the patent so <laughs> 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 um that's uh and 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 you know I think that's self experimentation and uh um the way that like the longevity works where people you know they they read medical studies and they get ideas and they you know pass them around and uh there's there's cre- constructive dialogue um you know even even people who are skeptics I I welcome that uh and uh the, I think that's a really um interesting kind of development in uh in biohacking
0: mm-hmm. I agree. And, uh, I think that like the, the, you know, the neurochemistry that you're talking about with like camp and, uh, you know, luteolin and all this is such a departure from like, just kind of like, let's crank up the dopamine, let's crank up the acetylcholine. And, um, the effect that I've gotten from it is very similar to what you've described, uh, that you've experienced, which is kind of this, like, uh, I think you described it as a prolonged state of wonderment and, uh, I just right, got as like right. the most scholarly uh, nootropic out there. Uh, can you elaborate on what that uh, prolonged state of wonderment is like?
1: Yeah, well, I I think the experience that most people can relate to is when they go on vacation to some exotic place that they've never been to before, where everything is really different. Then their dopamine cranks up, and dopamine's the natural way that long-term potentiation is uh, happens. And so this this by um, Increasing that effect by prolonging it, it it um it creates that state of wonderment that when you're on vacation, where you remember that vacation really well, while your normal day-to-day grind and you know going out, going to work, going to lunch, uh, that that all just kind of fades away and and it gets uh, ignored. And so, by um, being able to increase and prolong that state of wonder and get into it more easily it makes learning and making long-term memories, um, easier. And also there's like a feedback loop where, uh, you know, the more, uh, wonder feeling there is that kind of builds on itself and sort of, uh, um, increases motivation because it's like, Oh, this is really interesting. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's, that's, uh, that's how I would describe it. Um, now, one thing that's uh, w- I think is a, a, a defect in how well it's oversimplification. It's not a defect. It's an oversimplification. Is how we describe moods. So we say I'm happy, I'm sad, I'm um, delighted. And I like to uh, look at mood as sort of a multi-dimensional um, and cognition as sort of a multi-dimensional process based on neurotransmitters and um, mm-hmm. So forth, like uh, dopamine, serotonin, acetylcholine, GABA, and early long-term potentiation and late <clears throat> long-term potentiation, and sort of uh, I- I think about uh, things in, in 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 those terms, uh, really. Uh, but you know, I, when people say, "Oh, it's a smart," going back to the original thing of what is Siltep like, when people say, "Oh, is it what, what kind of smart drug is it?" You know, I just sort of have to make this more complex uh elaboration on it because it's not as as simple as it uh usually is uh as as these things are described
0: Mm -hmm. cool uh so since it's been around for you know about seven years on the market and uh you're developing it a little bit before that uh can you describe what that era of the sort of cognitive enhancement space looked like compared to now
1: well, back in the early 2000s, um when I first got into smart drugs, there was uh there were a couple of supp- um companies I don't even know if they're around anymore, but they figured out that you could make uh synthetic nootropics in China for extremely cheap mm-hmm. because you could just send these uh Chemical manufacturers in China, like, hey, I want this molecule in it. Okay, it's not a controlled substance. Okay, fine. You know, we'll make it for you. And that didn't exist before. That was uh, that was a completely new thing. So, you know, you had these bulk paracetam suppliers who would sell, sell you, like, a kilogram of paracetam for, you know, nothing. And, uh, you know, then uh, then what happened is these guys, on uh, a lot of guys on longevity, would look up old pat old medical studies from the seventies and there was this one called p r l eight fifty three and they would they mm-hmm. would just call up some guy in China and be like, "Hey, can you make some for us and then they would you know distribute it out and uh and so that really changed things a lot um because suddenly you had all this old research and you had the uh, and then you had like the russian uh uh pharmaceuticals like new and uh Fenoprozatam, and they were all sort of coming online. So there was this great era of discovery where there were all these new things that uh, could be made and distributed, and um, it was it was really interesting. And longevity was sort of the the center of that, and um, there was uh, there was a lot of great research. And and nowadays, um, you know, people have gotten this uh, gotten over the idea that there's no safe way to increase your cognitive capability. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it, you know, they, they used to be like, well, the only thing that can increase cognitive capability is caffeine or stimulants or nicotine and all this stuff like that. Um, and now you know, people are more used to brain supplements and uh, natural ways to increase cognition. So at least people are more understanding of, of the the concepts. And, that, and now there's a ton of products out there. There's, there's thousands. Mm-hmm. And they all sort of remix the same 20 or so ingredients you know you look on the bottle every 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 bottle you look on it it's it's they're practically the same plus or minus you know five different ingredients
0: right yeah
1: Mm. so um i think uh but it's out there you know it's people are are used to this now they're not um uh the idea of nutritional cognitive enhancement it's not such a uh bizarre thing that's only associated with like adderall or you know, various, uh, um, uh, stimulants that, uh, you know, don't have the greatest reputation deserved, of, deservedly in, in my opinion, humble opinion.
0: So back then it sounds like it was kind of like the wild west with like, you know, importing Chinese, uh, molecules and, or like Chinese manufactured molecules. And now maybe it's just kind of like more accessible, but more diluted. Do you, do you agree with that? Or uh, do you uh, feel like we've made any progress?
1: Well, I think that um, it's. Uh, I, I, I think that things are kind of at a stalemate right now. Mm-hmm. It, you know, there was this period of rapid expansion and um, things were changing a lot. And then um, all the backlog of stuff that people wanted, were looking at um, and I had always wanted to explore sort of petered out and there were. Um, there were a lot of mixed results and uh, nothing really, um, and there were a lot of things that didn't, uh, that I'm not a fan of that didn't go so well. Like for instance, Fenabit is um, something I'm, I don't recommend anybody take, but was really popular for a while. Uh, (laughs) And it just um, reached sort of a steady state where, nothing really new was happening. I mean, people weren't innovating anymore. Um, but I, I think that, uh, you know, people, uh, there, there's a lot of things that I've gotten out of it, you know, and the, all the products I've developed are sort of the uh, summation of of, of of my research and consolidation of that into these various concepts of of, of natural brain health enhancement.
0: Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, so I was listening back to an interview uh, where you're talking about, uh, you know, uh, I think it was the Smart Joke Smarts podcast that you did with Roy Krebs, and uh, you're talking about the formation of Siltep. And uh, you were mentioning these Taiwanese studies that were, you know, talking about these sort of like uh, TCM therapies, you know, like an artichoke leaf was in there. But right. then you're also pulling from more rigorous sort of current scientific sources in terms of like Uh, you know, PubMed, and then there's this, uh, you know, longevity sort of, uh, you know, willy-nilly thing that reminds me of, like, bodybuilding culture, where there's, like, just kind of reckless uh, stuff, but there's some wisdom in that. How do you balance that, like, ancient versus scientific rigorous versus uh, kind of reckless? Oh, well, uh,
1: the, the way I look at it is you have something like PDE 4 inhibition and then that's studied in one particular context uh, by scientists trying to develop patentable drugs that they can um, you know get spend 10 years getting through clinical trials and then i look at okay let's look at uh, research being done in natural health and in china they were in taiwan they were doing these studies trying to figure out okay how do we treat um, cardio obstructed pulmonary disease which is lung inflammation disease caused by smoking that um is they they think they can treat through uh, pd4 inhibitors which are also anti-inflammatory in the lung right like for mm-hmm. instance abudelast which is a very powerful pd4 inhibitor which has been on the market in japan for a long time is used to treat asthma um, and now it's actually in uh i think there's a drug company it, putting it through clinical trials for like ALS and a couple other things. Um, But anyway, so I, I say like, okay, so let's, let's take this concept, you know, that's the molecular biology concepts in Western medicine. And let's look at, you know, research into traditional medicines and how those work at the molecular biological level, and then try and use that to take, uh, to, to take advantage of this research of you know, about the molecular biological effects of these, uh, um, you know, these, these particular systems. Um, And then look for synergies, you know, instead of just looking at one particular um, pathway uh, reaction, you look at the whole pathway Mm -hmm. and see if there's a way to, uh, to, to take these weaker um, natural effects and synergistically combine them to have a, a stronger more significant effect and then and then you know you have to figure out if it works or not and so that's just suge- subjective i mean that's that's self experimentation which is you know it, it, it it's better it, it's better than 10 years uh you know of clinical trials so <laughs> um that so that uh that's where the kind of bro science and uh, you know, hey, guys, try this out, tell me what you think. That's where that comes in. Um, gotcha. and you know the 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 point about that is being open to criticism and any you know just taking any kind of negativity and just but, but like looking at that very seriously and, and saying, like, well, what are these you know does this person have a point? And then, you know, taking uh, and, and replying to that and researching it and using it as a way to go in a different direction. And there were there were some early um, uh, developments in Siltep, for instance, like uh, people were using cuercetin instead of luteolin for a long time. And, you know, cuercetin didn't really work that well. Um, I mean, it was a strong effect, but it was sort of aggravating and um, like a little anxiety producing and a little unsettling and Mm -hmm. uh you know and there was like for instance sembrin which is a which comes from uh which is actually that's a name brand for for kanas uh which is a south african herb that's a strong PDE 4 inhibitor but that one makes me really irritable like i can't i can't have a good conversation Mm -hmm. (laughs) with somebody without um yeah, I can't make a connection, uh, but it's great for sitting at home and just studying and not talking to anybody. <laughs> um, and then, uh, you know, there's there's other things I found which I I, I don't really think are worth um, giving out to the general public because you know it's it's like kind of a way to get into a weird psychological state or even a little, you know. Too happy or whatever, but I, I just don't think it's sustainable, and it's just uh, you know, it's just it's just the kind of thing that's that I don't think people would benefit from in the long term. So mm-hmm. there's definitely a lot of like wrong turns, and well, that wasn't so great, or that didn't really work, or um, and you know, that's uh, that's how these things are, are developed, and that's I mean, because everybody else in the market they look at single ingredient studies, Mm -hmm. you know, that are, they have like tons of research and then they, um, they put all those single ingredients together and that's why everybody has the exact same product. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And the way I do things is I think, well, okay, let's examine the whole pathway, you know, the whole pathway where tryptophan gets turned into serotonin and what are all the steps along the pathway and what Mm -hmm. are the cofactors and what are the, um, like for instance, How does how does uh, tryptophan when there's a high level of cortisol? How does it get turned into kynurenic acid instead of getting turned into uh, 5-HT and then serotonin? Um, Well, that's um, well. How do we lower cortisol with rhodiola? So that will keep it from being diverted into that pathway. And uh, so I, I look at these things in sort of a functional medicine systems biology approach and. There are actually a couple of, uh, there's, there's a couple of companies that are natural supplement companies that are starting to do that with, uh, like, anti-aging stuff, mainly. Um, but I think that, uh, I mean, university studies, they don't really study multiple ingredients together. It's usually just one ingredient. And um, so that's, that's kind of how you get the, 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 that's sort of why everything's stagnated is, is you have all these ingredients, and then people are thinking about them individually, and uh, that's a little um, that i mean i don't I don't think that's the most powerful technique.
0: Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So you're more interested in uh, sort of like a complex upregulation instead of just a, a narrow uh, attack, and it seems like the the narrower sort of like single molecule approaches seem to have more like negative externalities. Do you think that's fair?
1: Well, not all of them. I, I just think that they're not as um, effective as they could be because for, uh, you, you just don't ha- um for instance, if you take a lot of tryptophan and you have high levels of cortisol, you'll get kynarenic acid, which is anxiety producing. So you have to, you know, lower, uh, keep the cortisol under control in order to make sure that that tryptophan is more likely to get turned into serotonin. So it's, it's, like if you, I mean, there's a lot of things where you get mixed results or um, that uh, just could be better if uh, things were, uh, if if people were thinking more in systems or you have something like, you know, say like amphetamines, which is uh, activates this receptor called TAR1, which causes uh, dopamine to uh, be dumped into the synaptic cleft. And then that so it doesn't you know and dopamine is 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 the, it's not the pleasure molecule it's the mm-hmm. compulsion molecule so whatever you're doing um you just feel compelled to do it it's not uh there's not a real rhyme or reason while Siltep, it makes your dopamine do more but it doesn't increase it in the, it doesn't cause it to get dumped into the synaptic cleft just willy-nilly so yeah, these things are these, these systems are complicated, and instead of thinking about the system, they just think about like chemical in, like uh, whatever metric out. You know, instead of thinking like, how is this affecting the system? What's going on around it? Um, you know, what are the long term effect? Uh, what might be the long term
0: effects? That kind of thing. Gotcha. Okay. Cool. Um... So, uh, when we were talking about coffee, you mentioned that you take, you know, a bunch of supplements in the morning, and uh, this makes me think of kind of these, like, I, I like to think of it as, like, Nootropics uh, list of pill swag, and so, like, you know, obviously, like, Ray Kurzweil comes to mind with his, like, I take 100 pills a day, um, and maybe those lists are sometimes a little bit over the top, but, like, sometimes, like, you know, what's the limit, like, what's, what's too, many, too many supplements to take?
1: Oh, too many supplements to take.
0: I think we well, both probably are less bothered by long lists, but.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, I I tend to uh, change it up a little bit, depending on what I have to do that day mm-hmm. and what kind of mood I'm in, how my brain chemistry is is, is working. Um, you know, for instance, if uh, I'm going to be doing like a lot of writing, um, like fun fact, I'm currently in law school.
0: <laughs> oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. Interesting.
1: Yeah. Um, that's uh it's a lot of work. Um, especially since most people in there are 20 years younger than me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if I, yeah, but you know, if I'm going to have to write some really long brief or something um, that, or, you know, I'm doing programming, if I'm, if I'm going to spend the whole day programming, then, you know, it's one stack, but if I'm, just going to go on like a nature hike or hang out with friends or socialize. It's another stack. Um, and you know, then there's all the longevity stuff and, uh, you know, you, uh, you can take that every day and or not. I mean, longevity is interesting because there's a lot of different approaches and, uh, it's sort of, the metrics are kind of hard to, uh, measure i mean unless you know you can get these telomere length tests and mm-hmm. they're they're not cheap uh, <laughs> so yeah that's the thing about longevity stuff is is is, is there a lot of a lot of different ideas a lot of different stuff to take but the feedback on it isn't so fast and it's um it's a lot of pills so <laughs> for sure so i i <laughs> i tend i mean uh so I, I tend to take, you know, just the, the basic like um, immune system supports uh, stuff and uh, basic vitamins. And then, you know, the cognitive stack is uh, on top of that, depending on um, what kind of activity I'm doing that day. Gotcha.
0: Um cool. So, uh, when you're like testing these supplements and stuff, I know that you're, uh, you use like these sort of brain tests, uh, to just like verify that it's actually working. And, you know, cause I think some drugs and some supplements can make you maybe feel like you're more productive, but you aren't actually more productive. What's in your arsenal of tools for like actually testing how well they work?
1: Yeah, well, I, um, I use the, I have a app that I built for the Braverman test that uh, just tells me like, you know, what my scores are. Um, And then I also use Cambridge Brain Sciences and they used to, now you have to like log in and sign up for a bunch of stuff and it's, uh, but before they used to have these flash games and, you know, I, um, I use those, uh, uh, I use those pretty extensively. Like I played them hundreds of time so i got a really good baseline so i knew where um where i was at and then what one thing um what things worked and what things didn't or made cognition worse and uh you know that was that was great because you know since i had played these things games hundreds of times i knew exactly where i was at and Mm -hmm. uh you know anything that moved the needle was uh,
0: uh was was significant so what would you say? Like the the biggest uh, jump that you made the needle go is. <laughs> uh,
1: well, there there are some pretty strong stacks that uh, are a little overstimulating that I don't like to take that often,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, but that uh, I mean they they can make the stacks. Uh, I mean, make the needle move pretty far. Um, like if I take. Uh, like Zembrin, and uh there's um you know an abutlast and then uh Forskalin and all the other you know ace Siltep stuff i mean that that can get pretty um, i can get pretty high scores at some of the memory uh tests and planning tests um, you know that's those are the uh, and then you know there's other th- there's more subjective things like with Paracetam it's um It's easier to, if you look at a table with a whole bunch of objects on it, when I take paracetam, I can quickly kind of pick out all the different objects very, um, very efficiently. And then, you know, there's other things like with paracetam and rhodiola together, I start to get all these old memories coming up and just remembering things that happened in like high school or 20 years ago and just, just randomly (laughs) flooding in, you know, sometimes I'll I'll sit down, and I'll just write a diary entry and just write out all these uh, different things that happen um, over the years that I just mm-hmm. randomly remember. Um, there's, there's another stack uh, with, um, I, I can't really say the ingredient right now because this might be part of a patent application, but it uh, makes it so that I sort i i for a very short period of time i almost record like what's going on around me and then i can recall it like you know so i remember things that happened like you know sh- about 2 hours worth of time that happened a couple of years ago um very vividly and it wasn't that important it wasn't like a dramatic thing in my life or anything like that it was just um it was just like the record button on my brain got turned on and um I don't know. if it, I don't know if this stuff is, uh, if it'll work out. Um, it's, it, it's kind of a strange, um, a strange one.
0: <laughs> yeah. I've seen some like sort of bunk uh, nootropics posts out there about like, oh, this is the eidetic memory stack. And um, I, I, I believe you a little bit more than I believe some of these posts, but uh, yeah, I mean, that sounds very interesting.
1: I, I think that, um, You know, there's this problem where things that work really, really well kind of feel a little recreational excessively. And, you know, I I don't know if I can sell that. I just, (laughs) mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, it's, I I want some, the the products I make, I want um, people to be able to take every day and not have to worry about it. And so if you make something like that's really, really strong and powerful and like, oh, wow. And, um, but kind of, you know, almost recreational, it's, it, it just sort of, uh, it goes against that
0: goal. Gotcha. So when you're experimenting with these like sort of uh, like, you know, the non-natural stacks version of Siltap and like these uh, stronger stacks, are you doing like a, like a pill press type thing yourself or how, does the uh, preparation of this look like? Oh, or are you I just, just buying I, pills?
1: Yeah, I just uh, take them all separately.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, you know, you can you can make your own pills and stuff, um, but that's yeah, uh, you know, that's that, that that's more trouble than it's worth. I mean, you you know, I have a milligram scale and I measure out um, the exact dosages and and that kind of thing um, when I'm working with bulk ingredients, for example. But uh, you know, and that that that's basically the, the limitation of
0: that. Gotcha. cool um are there are there any other sort of like i guess like more modern nootropic strategies that you're interested in like not necessarily uh pharmacological but like you know for instance like t d c s uh or something like that
1: um well I, I think that uh you know meditation is is great mm-hmm. like i have uh, I have two devices that I use from time to time i um, have a muse um uh, which is basically this consumer grade e e g that tells you how well you're meditating <laughs> uh by by playing these uh, background noises like a, you know like a shore and it's either stormy or it's quiet depending on <laughs> uh I'm a big fan of that one, and also I have a brain tap uh which is um brain, uh, which has uh, both um, binaural beads, isochronic tones, um, LEDs in the ears, and then it has uh, flashing lights in front of the eyes for brainwave entrainment to um, get your brain quickly into various like uh, states, for instance, alpha wave states and, or beta wave states. Uh, and um, there's a whole bunch of programs with it for uh, achieving different goals and it's um, i I listen to mostly like the music programs for relaxing or you know starting the day and and that's sort of um, it's kind of like meditation done for you because the the flashing lights sort of quickly put your um, the brain into various states so um, mm-hmm. I think that's that's a pretty powerful technique um, i uh, i mean one one thing that I think is under um, under leveraged uh, is mitochondrial enhancement,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I—I uh, I mean, I—I I made a stack for Axon Labs called Mitogen, um, which uh, has a bunch of different, somewhat obscure supplements. <laughs> <It's>
0: like <laughs> uh, the Idebinone and all that.
1: Yeah, idebenone um, and timing are lipoic acid and. Uh, a few others, and uh, that combined with like methylene blue, is um, incredible for like athletic endurance. Um, methylene blue is a weird one. Um, it's uh, I, I mean I can I can do far more athletically when I take methylene blue than otherwise, um, and it, uh, it it really increases the efficiency of mitochondria. I mean it's mainly. Used, I, I believe, for uh, um, for carbon monoxide poisoning, and uh, you know, and for and, and just basically insults to the uh, metabolic uh, uh, system of the mitochondria. Um, but uh, and it was used for malaria treatment for a long time. It's been around for like a hundred years. There's there's a lot of old drugs that are um people have found interesting uses for over time. Um and uh I just think that's a and people are still researching these drugs, you know, for for various uh conditions and so forth. Um and then uh let's see is there anything else? Uh you know I, I do a lot of self-monitoring. I have like uh I have an URA ring uh, that I wear for sleep monitoring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, do you, do you use that one? Oh, yeah, oh, you have one. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> so, you, uh yeah, and then um I you know, there's uh have I'd like to get more into pulse oximetry. Hmm.
0: Um I, just, about I mean,
1: uh just to uh air blood oximetry just to make sure that, you know, I'm sleeping well, I'm not like having any sort of uh issues with uh low uh, low blood oxygen levels when I'm sleeping. That sort of thing.
0: Um, how about you? Oh, um, I mean, I just have the sort of basic stacks, um, and I mean, I do like a like HRV training, uh, sort of in that gamified way, like with the Muse that you mentioned. But uh, I use a an M wave, and okay. um, I'm trying to think of what other weird things I have. I actually have a, a bottle of methylene blue sitting in my kitchen that I haven't touched in months, and you're making me think that I should go back and try it. Uh, is there any sort of guideline that you have for anybody trying to like uh, acquire methylene blue to make sure that it is the right grade?
1: Yeah, you want USP pharmaceutical grade. Um, you, you, uh, anything less than that, um, I wouldn't take. Uh, <laughs> gotcha. So that, which is which, is kind of difficult to come by. Um, that's that's one of the issues with it, and that, and and the dosing. And then it stains everything bright blue. If you like, drip it somewhere, it's gonna permanently stain whatever it is blue.
0: Um, I was, blue is just so so fun. <laughs>
1: yeah, I was I was talking to uh, I was at Radfest, which is the uh, Revolution Against Aging and Death Festival last year, and I was talking to a doctor who prescribes this for uh, his patients for Alzheimer's, and he was saying, "Oh yeah," he tells them like uh, before you. Uh, before you do this, get ready to like have your whole bathroom be completely stained blue. <laughs> you know, just get a blue rug, get blue everything, because it's all gonna be blue. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh that's uh I think I think it's interesting though that uh yeah, Radfest is really great. Um because that's where a lot of people with a lot of resources who really want to live forever, they, um, uh, they, they, they go there and they, um, you know, they have a, a lot of interesting things like ex- exosomes, which are these um, pa- uh, packets of uh, growth factors. Hmm. Um, you know, there's, uh, then there's people who are doing genetic modification of their adult uh, cells like uh, BioViva, this uh, gal Liz Parrish, she uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. genetically modified herself to uh, have longer telomeres and inhibit myostatin, increasing her uh, mus- muscle development. Oh, one thing that I did uh, pick up there that I really like a lot is uh, infrared uh, light panels, oh, like cool. 60 nanometers. Uh, i you know i've had some back problems over the years and uh that really helps clear them up um it's a great uh system for just general healing um in my opinion uh from what i've seen so um uh you know and i i do that like uh six minutes front and back uh, and also, one interesting thing that I was, a uh, piece of science that I was exploring, I mean, I I don't know if this is uh, valid or not, is uh, they were doing this um, uh, inactivation of viruses with methylene blue and visible light, and, um, or uh, a methylene blue re- absorbs uh, light much better at certain wavelengths, like uh, I think around 660, 680 nanometers. So um, we were, you know, there was some speculation that you know you could combine these red light panels or intranasal red light with methylene blue and, and sort of generate this uh, singlet oxygen species to kill viruses or something like that. Um, but that was that was just some speculation. I mean, we're uh, that's that's a new that's a thread I have on longevity that I'm you know kind of. Po- I'm posting a bunch of studies, too, and there's, you know, there's some other people commenting. I mean, that's how, that's kind of how I like to do things. So I like to think about, I get some idea, and then I say, you know, get on longevity, and I sort of say, here's my theory, what do you guys think? And then just wait for some criticism, or, you know, and then I self-experiment myself and kind of post anything that I, I find, uh, one way or another. And, uh, you know, usually I attract a bunch of haters, and, uh, but then I attract <laughs> some people who are, you know, <laughs> supportive of it. And just kind of, you know, the, through, through the uh, back and forth, you know, we, we kind of figure out if, if um, uh, the, the idea develops in one way or another. And, um, you know, not everything works. Um, and, uh, you know, with, I mean, Siltep being the most successful, uh, uh example
0: of that Gotcha. Okay. um so you were talking earlier about uh like the supplements that you would take for longevity and uh you said that there are you know a bunch of different approaches what uh sort of approaches are you thinking
1: well okay one of the first approaches is uh telomeres are uh lengthening telomeres okay and so there's uh expensive supplements which are uh, and they're all variously purified versions of uh cyclo uh, uh, cycloestrogenol from astragalus. okay and um there was a guy um and, and, and but then you know to tell how long your telomeres are is uh you have to do like i think there's like a test called lifelink or something like that i mean i did telo years and it said i was 10 years younger than I, my actual age um you know, people have various things that they say about these different tests and mm-hmm. um, some of them are, you know, more expensive than others. And uh, so, you know, I, I just kind of have to go with like, well, you know, what people say on longevity that like, okay, I, I, I took uh, this generic brand. this I mean, this, this, like some brand of astragalus and I tested my telomeres and like six months later, they were a little longer like, okay, sure. But, I i mean, if you look at, um, like, the super centenarians, like, the people who live to, like, past 110. There was this woman who li- lived to 115, I think it was in the Netherlands, and she donated her body to science, and they found that there were two stem cells left in her body that were producing white blood cells. And oh. so the the thinking is, is that, you know, you can... And then there, then there was the lady who uh, invented NGF and she was doing medical research up until she died at 103. Um, yeah, so she was really bright all the way up until she dropped it. Uh, so this, what, what, what that thinking goes to is that when your immune system is exhausted, that is what determines lifespan, you know, failing that, you know, you get some, you, get, you, know, you die some other way. Um, that is the gating factor. So, um, basically, making these stem cells uh, that produce immune system cells last longer is key to lifespan, not health span. Which you, you know the difference between the right, right, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that would be you know lengthening telomeres or uh, regenerating the thymus which is this little organ you have right here that uh, is crucial to the immune system functioning. And, uh, that, and, and then there's this really interesting approach. Well, there's, so there's, there's the lengthening telomeres approach, right? <laughs> then there's the epigenetic theory of aging. And epi, the epigenetic theory of aging says that aging is just another program stage of life, like um, puberty. Okay, so, you know, you're born, you've got, you know, you're a kid, then you go through puberty, then you're adolescent, then you um, are an adult, and then your body says, okay, now we're just going to start slowly winding stuff down. Um, and so the idea be with these uh, things called Russian peptides, um, mm. which are actually natural products So they're, you know, you can get, they're they're pretty widely available, but they were developed in Russia and this, uh, I I mean, I think this is the story. Uh, They were developed because they were trying to figure, the Russian military was trying to figure out how to regenerate organs that were damaged in warfare. And so what they did was they took uh, like, uh, you know, livestock, like young livestock, and they would Take their particular organs, and they would extract all the low molecular weight peptides out of them, and concentrate them, and then they would put these put them in these pills. And the idea was that these low molecular weight peptides could active, epigenetically activate a younger phenotype, and allow the organ to regenerate. Hmm. Um, so this is the idea behind these Russian peptides. Now. Um, it's got, it It's something that's. Uh, it almost sounds too good to be true, but uh, you know some of the most extreme anti-aging biohackers I know who look really good for their age, being in their 70s. Um, they they swear by these. So uh, you know, and it, it seems like yeah, maybe that would, that could work. So <laughs> uh, that's um, that's something I think is interesting. And then you have the SENS approach, which is Aubrey de Grey. Mm. You got these seven forms of damage that um, are, are caused by aging, and so his um, his idea is that if you um, if you just get rid of these forms of damage, then you won't age. Um, so uh, the um, main forms of damage that are sort of hard to, I mean, well, the, well telomere shortening is one of them. Uh, then there's, uh, here, I'll just pull up the page here. <laughs> um, there's, uh, there's cancer, there's um, advanced glycation end products, there's, uh, with, advanced glycation end products is interesting. That's why people who are raw vegans um, look pretty good as they age. It's basically, if you, when you have these, Um, basically when when you brown, when you cook stuff, it gets brown. When you barbecue stuff, it gets black. And uh, in in those foods are high levels of advanced glycation end products. And these um, cause proteins to stick together. And they're what scientific studies say cause wrinkly skin and hardening of the arteries and all sorts of other tissue damage from aging. And so if you eat a low glycation uh, a, a diet low in these things, like raw foods, that um, slows the accumulation of these. and a- they actually did this study, and they found out that the least amount of advanced glycation end products were uh, created by microwaving food, which was really mm. counterintuitive because <laughs> you know uh, people who are into health usually don't recommend microwaving things so but um, and also, you know, the, the worst thing you could pop, you know, for advanced glycation end products, is is certain food additives like, you know, caramel color or or like, burnt like meat or something. Gotcha. <laughs> so, um, and uh, yeah, so I mean, the the idea there is 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 uh, oh, and then there's um then there's the NAD stuff. Oh. I did NAD injections, and those were great. Uh, yeah, so um, this is uh, that's a it's it's like a mitochondrial um, enhancement, basically. Like NAD, the level of our NAD in our cells falls as we age, and it's you know used for like DNA repair and all sorts of uh, cellular repair. And you know you can get IVs of this stuff and. I mean, I, I just did some injections like you know, with insulin needles and uh yeah, that, that that made me feel very energetic and it lasted for about two weeks. So um I mean they have uh NAD booster supplements and so forth and, and there's there's controversy about how bioavailable all this stuff is, like
0: um mm-hmm.
1: uh, how well it works. But
0: uh I mean David Sinclair does look uh fucking excellent for his age. So. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um Right, it's it's amazing when you go to like uh, these 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 longevity conventions. uh, How well some of these people look! Like this one guy I know who uh, does um, who who does regular extended fasting. That's another Mm -hmm. thing. Is um, I try and do a three day fast a couple times a year because after you get past forty eight hours, autophagy kicks in, Mm -hmm. and that's where the uh, body uh, cleans out you know, cellular junk and kills uh, senescent cells, which are malfunctioning, which are cells that have, something's happened to them, you know, maybe DNA damage or something like that, and they're just malfunctioning and sending out inflammatory signals to the other cells and just sort of screwing up the rest of the, the rest of the organs that they're in. And so by, um, by, by uh, starving yourself, you know, the, the body is looking around for sources of energy when, once it runs out of the very short term sources. And so it's, uh, it engages these systems which do a lot of cleanup. And this used to be a normal part of human biology back when food wasn't as common as it is now. So that's, uh, and, and, they, and people I see at the longevity conventions who look really good are, are regular, uh, some of them are regular fast.
0: Gotcha. Very cool. Uh, I think a while back you mentioned a uh, a broccoli soup that you were making that was like that you were uh, coming up with a recipe that was specifically just trying to like bump up the sulforaphane. Uh, have you been consuming that still, or uh, can uh, you tell me about that recipe?
1: <laughs> I mean, sulforaphane is in my uh, is in my longevity stack along with you know astragalus, um, and uh, I take that you know on a fairly regular basis, and it's it's a Basically, the idea behind sulforaphane is uh, it's this cellular stress pathway, and there's like a hormetic effect, which means that the body sort of responds to the cellular stress and and, and starts uh, um, doing some cleanup. I mean, that, you know, that's uh, there are people who have who have much deeper knowledge of that than I do, <laughs> but I, I uh, you know. The thing about anti-aging is it's, um, it's harder to self-experiment with that because you don't mm-hmm. really get a lot of rapid feedback unless you do really expensive tests. So um, yeah, so that's sort of a, I'm, I mean, I'm still interested in that. But it's all kind of theoretical. And I like to, I like to be practical. You know, I like to uh, mm-hmm. see what the effects are right away. And, and with all the cognitive stuff, that's really easy. Um, you because know, if I'm sitting down, I'm going to write a whole bunch of code, or I'm going to write like a three thousand word like legal brief. Uh, you know, I know if it's enough things are working or not. You know, if I'm running all these Cambridge brain science tests that I've you know uh, backed up over the years, it's it's uh, um, you know it's just a different it's just a different kind of thing altogether. I mean, yeah, anti-aging is uh, I guess you could look at athletic performance, but there are things that. Our you know uh mitochondrial enhancement is is great for short-term athletic performance. Um, you know, the mitogen and methylene blue and those kinds of strategies. So um yeah, I mean that's that's really the barrier to like doing more anti-aging research is you can't really easily tell what's working. Um and you need these like very long term studies to uh uh with lots of very sensitive cellular level tests to kind of figure
0: that out. Cool. So in the remaining few minutes, I wanted to talk a bit about transhumanism, but uh, I wanna close the conversation on life extension a little bit by just asking, basically, when is too early to start thinking about uh, anti-aging? Because you know, I got into transhumanism and I feel like everybody in that field's a little bit older and uh, there's no real reason for me at you know, 31 to really be caring about anti-aging yet, is there? Well, um
1: you know I, I think that uh if you believe that aging is progressive damage um then you and the only way to uh interfere with that is to or you know stop that damage as soon as possible as far, um then uh you know you might you might want to start thinking about that i mean just as uh you know maybe taking some astragalus, that kind of thing um mm-hmm. Yeah, you know it's just when people get to be older and they you know things start going wrong they start to think about that kind of stuff a lot more mm-hmm. um than they otherwise would um so it's uh so it's more uh, readily apparent that they should be working on that uh but it it doesn't hurt to start early uh, you know especially if you're you know just taking various herbal approaches and stuff and uh mm-hmm.
0: Gotcha. I, I'm, I, I'm getting an early start, I guess, but uh, yeah, a lot of people are just like, yeah, I need to be thinking about that. But anyway, uh, with the remaining few minutes, let's talk about uh, transhumanism. And I feel like for somebody that's into transhumanism, you aren't going around like waving the flag like some other people would. So uh, I feel like that's a more interesting perspective on the movement. And I'm curious from your vantage point, uh, what you sort of feel like the, the current movement is like and uh, where you'd like to see it go.
1: I I think that the one, th- um, I am not a fan of brain uploading mm, okay. because if you could simulate what's going on at a fine grain level in the brain, you could develop drugs inside of a computer, but you can't because things like protein folding, which is where your cells make proteins and then they fold up and the way they fold up makes them do all these very complex things inside of the cell that is a algorithm that is very difficult to do inside of a computer you could have biggest computer you want and it's not going to be able to do that because it's exponential time complexity which is you know computer scientists way of saying it takes a really long time
0: mm-hmm. like
1: more than the age of the universe for some problems um and so i think that that whole like computer simulation of people and brain uploading is, is just like, let's see if we can make a program that can fool your friends into believing it's you. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so I, 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 that, that whole part of it is, is just sort of, um, I'm just not a fan of, and I think it sort of makes me get a bad impression of the rest of it. And I'd rather just focus on, um, you know, the biological aspects of it, mm-hmm. uh, and, and as opposed to the uh, integrating with computers. I mean, I, I think the, the first cool thing that I've actually seen that might get somewhere is the uh, the brain implant stuff that Elon Musk is doing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I, watched, I watched the video for that. And I like that, that that has input, it has output. So it can read brain signals, but it can also input brain signals. Uh, So you're, you know, you can have some sort of direct conversation with with a computer interface. Now, um, that's the first thing I've seen from those, like, you know, those sort of, uh, that sort of angle that's really credible. And, um, you know, those people are into, like, freezing themselves uh, after they die. And then thinking nanobots will revive them, but that just seems so far out there. One thing I do think, though, is adult genetic modification will really change um, humanity. you know, maybe it's 50 years off. Um, mm-hmm. But imagine you know, you could have any color eyes you want, any color hair you want, any color skin you want. Um, you want to be smarter, you want to, uh, you know, have bigger lips. You, I mean, it's basically like plastic surgery at the genetic level where you, and you can do all sorts of weird, strange stuff. I mean, I, I imagine that, like, in the future, you know, you'll have, like, the Android and the iOS platform for, like, genetic modifications, and you'll just install these things like they're apps. Um, like, you want your liver to work a little better, you know? That's like an app for, uh, you know, <laughs> You want your organs to like process. You want you want to be a fast caffeine metabolizer instead of a slow caffeine metabolizer. Well, that's an app. Um, So, and that will just really kind of uh, play with the idea of what it is of 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 like what identity is, because you know people will be able to change their genetic structure uh, by their you know how they choose. As they you know when they're older and so they'll be like well I want to be this or I want to have this genetic feature that genetic feature um, and uh, you know maybe we'll uh, find ways to I mean they, they in mice they they have these experiments where they you know significantly increase the intelligence of mice by modifying their genetics and so maybe we'll have that for like adults because basically the way they do it is they have these viruses that kind of you know invade the cells and then like replace some genes um so it's as if the person was born with those and and it's it's weird because not all the cells get get the genetic modification so they have you have two different sets of genes in your body so um yeah but i think that that's going to be um that's sort of the future that's already here but not evenly distributed because you know it, to do those genetic modifications costs like a million bucks and not very many people have done those. Um so <laughs> it's you know but i um I think it'll probably come down in price over, over over time. But you know it's kind of a Pandora's box, you know, making uh being able to gene edit ourselves and being able to gene edit other species and you know who knows what, where that can lead. Um, it's, it's such a powerful technology.
0: Uh, do you follow David Pierce at all? No. Interesting. Um, David Pierce is like very much my brand of transhumanism and, uh, he's, he's interesting cause he's like a lifelong vegan and his whole thing is sort of like reducing suffering. And, uh, you know, he feels like it's our, uh, you know, it's our duty to basically genetically, uh, try to engineer out uh suffering and things like this and uh that's interesting that uh, I I feel like he's one of the people that coined the term uh, transhumanism so uh curious that you don't know him
1: yeah uh well yeah engineering out suffering well you know it's funny because you know you look at these neurotransmitters and think well, we should just everybody should have pleasure all the time, and then the pleasure receptor is like the opioid receptor, and I'm like we know how that well that all goes, yeah. you know I mean i it's, so the brain is kind of evolutionarily built up in its in its way to kind of you know a Darwinistic way to kind of tell you to do things that um ensure your survival in this earth we live in here. And um, you know, it's it's sprinkled all these opioid receptors around the brain. And for instance, there there there's some in like the vision processing centers that make us think that certain things are beautiful. You know, if I mean, if you act uh, it, it, I, like we have built-in recognition of secondary sexual characteristics, um, you know, that every male on earth will, you know, uh, adult male on earth will understand for the most part. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean. It, 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 there's all these things that are kind of built into the, the, the wiring and, and, and you know, that incentivize us or like give us pleasure or, um, you know, or we don't like uh, bitter tastes, for example. And, you know, just messing with that wiring. I mean, that's our survival program, you know, and you have to, um it, 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 it's uh, it, it's kind of an interesting thing to think about, you know, like there's, there's this, <laughs> I, I don't know if you've ever, uh, there's this kappa opioid receptor, and it's the opposite of uh, the mu opioid receptor in that it, when it's activated, it causes depression.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: And they had, they, some people were, were thinking that like, well, maybe if you uh, repetitively Uh, Activated this receptor, you'd build up tolerance to it. It would build up tolerance, and that would be harder to get depressed. (laughs) So interesting. Yeah. (laughs) Good approach. Right, right. So uh, I mean, that's that's how people think that like Salvia divinorum has like a antidepressant effect. Don't don't take that. It's 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 not a good drug. Um, (laughs) You know, even though you can get it, it's legal. I think it's partially legal in some states. You know, I don't know uh yeah but it's just um you know we got all these little programs in our brain that tell us to do stuff uh you know or make us enjoy things or and you know I don't know if that if I agree with that approach that that we just have to uh, eliminate all those uh all those negative feedback things, you know, so it's just positive feedback um, it's uh It's a deep question. Very philosophical.
0: <laughs> well, cool, cool. Um, well, on that note, we're, we're at over an hour, so I want to be respectful of your time. Is there anything else you want to say before we sign off? Uh,
1: no, just uh, if you want to uh, keep up with me, my Twitter is at CILTEP, C I L T E P, and my website is abelardresearch.com, where I uh, write articles from time to time about various biohacking, transhumanism, longevity stuff I'm thinking about.
0: Awesome. Cool. Well, thanks so much for joining me. It was really cool talking to you.
1: Yeah, uh, it was was great talking to you, and uh, it's fun to explore all those ideas. Mm -hmm.
0: Thank you. Cool. Well, thanks. Uh, I'll talk to you later. All right.